This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Because if you don't know your history, you don't know your future. And your future is to be what happened the early days under Matt and Jimmy Murphy without doubt and, and, and telling them that what Jimmy did about planting seeds of the, the history that is the most important thing you can do with young players coming to my United tell them what the, their expectation is to realise the expectation this is what for a point for my United there's no point for Bolton Wonders or Burry or, or Rochdale it's a point for the biggest club in the world So, here we are, the end of the Holy Grail, um, or, or quite close to it anyway. We're finally there, we've finally reached the promised land, Paddy. Um, at mm-hmm. least one of the promised lands. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the first English league title, not the first division title which United had been covered for a oh, quarter of a century, but yep. the first Premier League title. Um, we've gone on record everywhere else that you can find podcasts about um, the Premier League, its inception, United mm-hmm. sort of getting there as well. But um, I don't think the crossover made that much of a difference, did it? The fact that it was the old no. First Division. There was a little bit of sort of they wanted to win the old First Division trophy because I remember Clayton Blackmore and Brian... Clayton Blackmore basically said him and Brian Robson had really wanted that trophy so when they won mm. it for Middlesbrough um, when they went to Middlesbrough after United that they were quite pleased that they got their hands on the old trophy but mm-hmm. um, in terms of how it was perceived I know in, in modern era everything's been revision, uh, revised mm-hmm. to this sort of everything's only Premier League records but at the time yeah. it was still very much um, the Premier League was effectively the first division what United wanted to win wasn't it oh yeah it's the same thing I still think it's the same thing you know when uh, you know people talk about the first thing this time this yeah. has been done I, I, I prefer a top top division to I, I, I don't think uh, it's like saying just because there's a Champions League that means that Real Madrid didn't win five in a row you know, <laughs> well of course they did yeah um, as, uh, as as Ferguson's predecessor Matt Busby um uh, new to his initial frustration, but yeah, I, I, no, I, I don't agree with all that, and and certainly the seventy-two-three season, uh, which we're about to discuss, didn't seem at any different from from the previous one at all. Um, it was just uh, I can remember writing at the time that it was a rebranding. Well, of course, it was much more than that, as we now recognise. But the the difference between ninety-one, ninety-two, and ninety-two-three was. Mm, just a coat of paint, whereas uh, the difference between 92-3 and 2020 21 is chop and cheese. Yeah, um, at the start of that, you said 72-73. Oh, sorry, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. I'm talking about, I'm talking about when I was at my peak. <laughs> I was going to say, it would have been a very different season for United as well. <laughs> yeah. Battling with relegation. Um, not, uh, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, so some things get better. Yeah. Uh, uh, apologies for uh, regret. <laughs> Usually I'm, I'm racing ahead of myself. This time I was going back 20 years. But anyway. There were some teams in United's position, um, Leeds yeah. were failing challenges. Liverpool were on the decline. Um, mm-hmm. Arsenal, um, who had been such strong champions, now they look like um, I wouldn't. They effectively, it turned out that they were a really good cup team. But I wouldn't 
disregard them as a cup team because they, they had really strong areas all over the pitch, but they were mm-hmm. sort of weak in midfield apart from Paul Merson and Ray Parlour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, really, I mean, the principal point is to talk about Leeds and, and their decline, uh, Paddy, but what would yeah. you summarise as the um, sort of landscape when it came to what United were up against? I mean, you've got Villa, Blackburn and Norwich who emerged as challengers, but they were good teams, they were not brilliant teams. No, Villa Villa were pretty good, um, uh, but uh, yes, the, the you know you looked uh, as you do now for the usual suspects, you know, and uh, Arsenal. Uh, th- there was still a an aura of success about Arsenal, even though the the great days of of, um, of George Graham when he won two titles in three years, um, and and emphatically in both cases, or dramatically and then emphatically. Um, that was that the, the 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 magic still lingered on as far as that was concerned, um, but Leeds <clears throat> really the 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 fact that Leeds won the title was a sort of the the last of the football league titles was an indication that there was a a period of flux there was a a sort of a vacuum into United or uh, well um, Villa certainly aspired to stride into that vacuum so. Yeah, it was a it was a quite a um, a diverse uh, scenery uh, around in the football league first division stroke new Premier League days. It was the FA Premiership, as I recall, FA Premier League. Yeah, in the, in yeah. the first season, then yeah. yeah. You mentioned the challenges, but um, and we also in in previous episodes we talked about who was on the perch. I mean, Liverpool had had that massive success over two decades, mm-hmm. and then Arsenal mm-hmm. had sort of stolen at the last and had this um, sort of four or five year period of dominance. But um, it did still seem as if there was room for someone on the to, perch. Yeah, exactly. There was room for someone to come in and dominate. And um, United, I guess. We're talking in the pre-Cantona months. They were probably as well placed as anyone, even without Cantona. Whether or not that had um, mm. the potential they were, for they the... were, they were, they had, the, they had the backbone of the of of the team uh, in place. Schmeichel had come in, had established himself. You know, Ferguson had recreated Leighton, McLeish, and Miller mm. with uh, Schmeichel, Bruce, and Pallister, uh, a tremendous foundation. The problem was scoring goals. Yeah. And um, they needed something to uh, break the logjam, to make them fluid, and uh, in this extent, a little bit more like 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 Ron Atkinson's teams. You know, um, uh, they they'd got everything in place um, except that spark of creativity. Um, fortunately, um, they had a, an idea about how to do that, but. Before that, there was there was an attempt to get more goals in the the classic way by getting better, improving striker uh, position, uh, which is not exactly how it was done in the end. But they tried for Alan Shearer, mm. and uh, on this occasion, um, Ferguson was uh, outdone by Kenny Dalglish uh, at Blackburn Rovers. Kenny. Uh, managed to um, persuade uh, Shearer to go for the challenge of of Blackburn Rovers uh, and with the new money provided by Uncle Jack Walker uh, rather than go to United and do it, you know, pick up medals the the traditional way by going to a bigger club. Um, He tried for David Hurst, the wonderful centre-forward with Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, his career never quite reached the heights was never quite reached the height, the heights that it would have done, um, but for uh, but because of injury, mm. and and a, and another player whose career was shaped by injury was the one that United actually got. That was Dion Dublin. Yeah, a strange um, combination, really. I mean, Shearer and Hurst were pretty much like for like. Obviously, Hurst was like a Shearer light, um, mm. and obviously predominantly left footed as well. But um, a beautiful left foot as well. Oh, a lovely, lovely player. Yeah. Um, but Dublin completely different in style to Shearer and Hurst, and what that sort of said to to me looking at Ferguson evaluating his options is that he wasn't so mm. much identifying a particular player it was identifying a difference to what he had wasn't it mm-hmm. that's right 
um, yeah, just it just needed some spark, something that would that would change things, a catalyst. Yeah. I'm sure, sure we're, I'm sure we're going to use that word again before this podcast is out. Um, but he was uh, he also tried to get um, an aging Peter Beardsley, yeah. you know, who had had United history, didn't he, um, from Everton. Uh, rather than Liverpool, he tried for him, um, and he was in November. They weren't scoring goals at all, um, and you know he just had to find some spark. And uh, he was in. Um, uh, well, you'll introduce this, um, Wayne. But he was in Martin Edwards's office. That's the version uh, of the of the truth. Of, of this epoch-making moment, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, and, and they were scratching, Ferguson was scratching his head saying, you know, Martin, I've got to, got to get a, uh, a striker. Um, and then the phone rang. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, you mentioned 72, 73 as a bit of a slip earlier, but if you move back maybe six months earlier than that mm. into the mm. early Franco Farrell reign, the um, overriding doubt from everyone involved at the time was that United were scoring a lot of goals, but they mm. weren't keeping them out at the other end. You mm. fast forward um, 20 years, 21 years, and they were keeping a lot of clean sheets, but they weren't scoring. And eventually, it's like which one of those um, elements gives. And United were, you know, they were winning 1 0, 2 0, 1 0. Then they started drawing 1 1, 0 0. And mm. then they started nil 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 one mm-hmm. nil one, and that is at the point where um, Ferguson's back at the drawing board with Martin Edwards, sort of saying, "We need another striker." Here. Du- Dublin was injured in the, it was I think it was the fifth game, sixth game, yeah, or something bro- like that. Bro- broken leg, really bad luck. Yeah, um, and so they needed uh, they needed this striker. And um, anyway, the phone rang, and it was a lad called Bill Fotherby. <laughs> Uh, from Leeds, and I, th- I think Bill, Bill was trying to get Dennis Irwin. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that Alex Ferguson had set all this up because the background to this was that Gerard Ullier, manager of France at that time. Uh, was oh yeah. If I can briefly interrupt, Paddy, before you carry on yeah. the wonderful story, this is the unofficial version that can never, like, you never put it down to print because it, this is the likely version of how it was all mm. engineered because of the sequence of events that week that begins before this conversation with Edwards and Father Bay. So please, please mm. do continue. Yeah. Okay. Right. <clears throat> Gerard Dullier is manager of France, and. He got a call. I mean, the, the whole thing started, if we wind back, the whole thing started months earlier when Ullier was in his office. Oh, no, sorry, he was abroad, but it, uh, he was contacted by his secretary to say that a Mr. Wilkinson had uh, rung several times and appeared desperate to speak to him. Uh, anyway, he'd left a number. And Ullier got through to Howard Wilkinson, uh, who said that he'd got a chance to sign Eric Cantona from uh, the Enfant Terrible. Uh, and I've, I've just become the 84 millionth person to say that about Eric <laughs> Cantona, um, f- uh, to take him. And, and, and the point about Ullier's stake in all this was that he wanted Eric Cantona to play, be playing regular football mm. so that his... Uh, partnership with Jean-Pierre Papin in the French team, you know, didn't sort of lose its edge. So um, anyway, uh, Howard said that he'd got a chance to sign Eric, who'd been very briefly with Sheffield Wednesday. Um, And what should he do? Because, you know, his reputation for being a stormy character was well known. Ullier said... And what he said was, take him with your eyes closed. Mm. Uh, don't worry about his reputation. He's a pro. He's a, he's a good lad and he's a professional. He won't let you down. And Leeds paid Marseille one million. Well, uh, he made a contribution. He helped to get them over the line in the in the title race to, to, to Manchester United's chagrin. Um, and uh, anyway, Ullier continued 
to monitor, obviously to monitor Cantona's progress. So he knew that the relationship with Howard was breaking down, mm. which, it, which it did fairly, fairly quickly. And uh, he tipped off Ferguson. This is by his account. Now, he's got no axe to grind, so he, I believe I've known Gerard Ullier for 30 years, more than 30 years, so I, I, I implicitly trust every word he says. And that he advised, gave Ferguson the same advice. They'd been watching Leeds play in the Champions League against, I think it might have been Rangers or somebody. And... Uh, he uh, dialed Alex's number. He had a car phone. <laughs> You're probably saying, how could he have got through so quickly? There weren't mobiles. But you remember, car phones started <laughs> it, it, it all off. Uh, November 1992, he got through to him, uh, Ferguson in his car, and he said, look, you know, don't l listen to all the rubbish about his, his his personality is great, his professionalism is great. And Ferguson said he'd take him. But he said, whatever you do, don't tell anybody. Yeah. And he knew, Ferguson knew, that Leeds were interested in Dennis Irwin. And I think he put a trap down for Bill Fotherby, the Leeds uh, uh, managing director. And Irwin although he probably didn't know it, because <laughs> Ferguson had no intention of letting him go, was the bait. <laughs> uh, Irwin was the bitter cheese. And uh, anyway, that's, that's, in my opinion, that, you know, looking at all the balance of probabilities, that is how it happened. Yeah. Ferguson actually, it, this wasn't a totally accidental telephone call. Ferguson had sort of primed it. Anyway, when uh, Bill Fotherby rang, and said to, said hi to Martin Edwards. Any chance of uh, of uh, letting uh, uh, Irwin go, which of course Ferguson wouldn't have done. And Ferguson scribbles out a note, ask him about Cantona. Bill Fotherby knew that uh, Howard Wilkinson was, uh, was 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 not getting on well with Cantona, and uh, Bill Fotherby said, "Yeah, I think I think Howard might let him go." Yeah, and and that's how uh, that's how I I firmly believe that's how Manchester United came to sign Cantona. I think uh, I think Ferguson knew knew more about it than uh, than even his own account implied. Yeah, I think yeah, that's a, Ferguson's sort of tried and trusted public facade with that is mm. to cover up what that sort of path of events um, because it was mm. mischievous to to say the least but having said that I still feel um Got I the right outcome didn't it and yeah for, for both teams for and both it, Howard and himself and and he did have a sort of a logical alternative path because you've told that great story of um, Cantona's transfer request from Leeds um mm. the, the salmon that idled its way downstream um, <laughs> will never leap the water <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, they talk about sardines. That's even better. <laughs> but he'd mentioned on the transfer request three clubs: Arsenal, Liverpool, and Manchester United. Mm -hmm. So, and that was on the Monday. On the Tuesday, Fotherby makes that phone call. I always mm -hmm. like. I thought obviously it's too great to be coincidence that mm -hmm. Fotherby does that on his own bike. Um, well, obviously he did, but there must have been a little bit of. Um, cheese in a trap. Um, the the only difference in account um, is. Edwards and Ferguson, where Edwards sort of says that Ferguson wasn't present and that Fotherby sort of corroborated that by saying that he had to call Edwards back, you know. Edward, oh, Ed, Edwards had said that... Uh, ah, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Two telephone calls. That's Yeah, that that makes sense, yeah. And, um, and that... Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to know for sure because obviously Ferguson's account is one thing. Edward says that he, he called Fergie on the telephone ground. Um, so, uh, on the, oh, sorry, on the telephone, training ground. Training uh, ground and then yeah. he did have a mobile then. Um, so, you know, I, I think the biggest mischief or the biggest um, sort of red flag was the mm. um, <laughs> how did he get from Cantona putting in a transfer request specifying Manchester United to to Leeds, <laughs> to Leeds contacting United and United then saying oh yeah we'll take Cantona off your hands I always love the Edwards version which is most definitely true and I'm sure Fotherby um, corroborates this as well is that yeah. because Leeds had had to pay um, I think it was Neem that he'd gone to wasn't it after Marseille yes, um, yes. and basically Neem had paid a million pounds 
pound, but the the mayor had financed that deal with oh, around six hundred thousand pound, and because obviously it looked like they weren't going to get the money back, Leeds had to put this sort of different structure in place where they said we'll pay you X amount, and then if he, he does well and we sign him permanently, we'll sign him for one million pound. Mm. So they did that, and, oh. and at this point with United, it was like, well, we'll give you your money back for him. And this is the the I know mm. we're labouring about Canon on we've done it elsewhere as well, so I don't want to go on too much about this, but just to clarify this for I don't don't suppose any Leeds fans will be listening to this, but it wasn't so much that, you know, Leeds in history has repainted this um, very differently it sort of said that mm. Wilkinson made this massive transfer blunder Wilkinson wanted rid of Cantona and mm. they wanted their money back for him they, Fotherby's big deal was I want I don't want to be seen to have given him away um, mm. when, just in case anything goes wrong. I want to at least have said that we've made a profit on him. And Edwards basically said, well, we'll give you your money back for him. Um, mm. They had this like sort of farcical discussion where Fotherby's well, decreasing by the 100,000 and mm. Edwards is sticking on a million. And he says, at the end of it, Fotherby says, um, what... What if I tell everyone that you paid 1.6? And mm. Edward says you can tell them what you want. And that's mm. where, I mean, you've seen 1.6, you've seen 1.2, you've seen 1 million, all these different versions of, of the story. Mm. Um, but Cantonal, yeah, he does sign as, as um, this bargain, signing whatever it was, even if it was 1.6, it was an absolute bargain. Um, but let's reframe this argument then. You know, obviously it was put across in, in hindsight and retrospect that Wilkinson made a big blunder. Hmm. At the time when United signed him, Emily News, the Liverpool legend, came out in the press and he massively famous, um, infamous column in the mirror saying, um, Eric's a flashy foreigner. And in the column he basically wrote that it was Ferguson's last big gamble. Hmm. Do you believe that it was? Do you think it really was last chance to loan? I mean, there is an argument to say that if, let's say, the Kung Fu kick happens in early '93, mm-hmm. then it, and United implode again, then maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I, I don't know. Yeah, people would have said that the gamble had failed. Yes, yeah. definitely. I mean, these things. Uh, yeah, the the main thing is that the gamble worked. Um, uh, I, I think there was a chance. You, you see, if you look at Ferguson's career, there are lots of times you know he couldn't get Gascoigne. Would yeah. Gascoigne have been a, a difficult, a, too difficult for even Ferguson to handle mm. in the same way as George Best and for the same reasons as George Best, you know, wore away at Matt Busby's uh, strength and power. So, um, but if you look at for Ferguson's career, he's too lucky too often <laughs> for, it to, for it to be a coincidence. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Jack Nick, uh, I think it was Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, one of the, you know, the, the, the harder I practice, the luckier I get. And I yeah. think with Ferguson, you know, the more devotion to the art of management he applied, um, the luckier he got. And, and, and yes, there were, there were moments of luck, and, and, uh, and, and this was certainly, you know, luck assisted. But I think his, the way he... Uh, the, the 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 approach he decided to take to Cantona after the Kung Fu kick, for example, and the way he took uh, all all through his handling of Cantona was 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 more than just luck. It was just brilliant management. And if you, uh, I mean, e- even the way it was handled, the Kung Fu kick was handled in a way that didn't damage Manchester United's reputation greatly. Mm. Um, uh, you know, Cantona quite rightly had to take any opprobrium that was going. United, you know, acted um, quickly and distanced themselves from the disgrace, but not from the player. And, and that, was, that, was, that, was, that was actually quite clever um, on all sides. Um, but, but, but what Houllier had told Ferguson was, he's not, you know, let's not, that's not be ridiculous about this. You wouldn't describe him as a low maintenance player. Yeah. Of course not. You need a careful hand. But uh, the other thing he told uh, he told Ferguson, which was crucial, was train, train, train. The harder you train him, the harder you make him work, or or the harder the the the, the more work you give him, the better he responds. He mm. needs lots and lots and lots of training. And well, you can imagine 
Benjamin Ferguson licking his lips at that, you know, thinking, well, that's not a problem, you know. It's the ones who don't want to train that I don't want. So um, primed by that knowledge, which he'd taken the trouble to acquire, Ferguson knew how to how to handle Eric Cantona, which is probably putting it about as mildly as anybody could. It was a brilliant, brilliant man in management, uh, one of his greatest feats, and it had one of the greatest outcomes because it changed Manchester United overnight. You can say, well, no, it doesn't happen like that in football, but it does. Hmm. Right up to the signing of Cantona, uh, you, you made the point that the, the, the goal supply was drying up. They were averaging a goal a game. From the signing of Cantona to the end of that season of 92-3, they averaged two goals a game. Mm. And it happened instantly. Mm. It was like turning on a tap. And, uh, of course, the effect, you know, if, if Manchester United don't score two goals a game, people still, we are now talking in nearly 2021, and this is 92, 92, yeah. So we're talking nearly 30 years on, the mm. Cantona effect is still the yardstick at Manchester United. Mm. Yeah. It, it, it is extraordinary. His, it could be said, and, and when I wrote the uh, biography of, of Alex Ferguson, I sort of hinted at it that nobody, not even Ferguson, not even Ferguson, could change the fortunes of Manchester United as quickly and as radically as Eric Cantona did. Yeah. No, he's, uh, and you know, I completely um, buy into that, I completely agree with it. Um, the transformation on and off the pitch just was... Um, mm. it, well, off off the pitch it, it is good because this harks back to Ulier's advice about training, 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 because mm. there was a, the incident, sorry to interrupt, Wayne, but there, there was the wonderful incident Again, part of the change of the culture, the evolution of the culture of Manchester United, in that um, Cantona went to Ferguson once and said, look, I, I'm doing volleying practice, but I need two players to, to hit me crosses right and left. And Ferguson said, I'll do better than that. And he gave him two players and a goalie. Yeah. <laughs> so he had to get the volleys right. And uh, anyway, this, instead of, Instead of the other players treating this as a, a bit of an imposition, oh God, another hour's training, I want to get off for my lunch or see my kids or something like that. No, they, they all started volunteering, you know? They all started saying, hey, can I do his crosses or can somebody cross for me or, 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 or whatever? And it, 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 you know, it must have, Ferguson must have been sort of, you know, <laughs> glancing at the heavens and saying, thank you, God, you know, mm. he's doing my job for me. And um, it was great. It was uh, uh, David Beckham has, has certainly only one. And it, there's another yeah. player, uh, a fanatical practiser, uh, who who educated, you know, with his self-educated right foot, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, Beckham has paid tribute um, to how practice, practice, practice became the culture at Manchester United um, after Cantona's arrival. Yeah, and he certainly did. I mean, he was having that sort of, and that was a long-term effect, which, you know, United would reap, again, reap the benefits of in, in sort of three years to come. But the immediate mm. impact, um, we talk about transformation. Mark Hughes starts to play his best ever football. Um, mm -hmm. And this was, he was at the ripe old age of like 30-something. You had Andrei Kanchelskis and Ryan Giggs at the other end of their careers. Who, mm -hmm. um, it really took the load off them. And because it took the load off them, they were able to play with much more freedom and expression, and and they had obviously they had mm. Cantona who dropped deeper, and he made space for, um, and obviously had the intelligence to pass in to to be able to make sure that they they were put through accurately as well. So United almost had this sort of new trident in a way. Not that I'm not saying that Kanchelskis and Giggs were poor before; they mm. most certainly weren't. But the addition of Cantona as the sort of focal point of this trident. Did mm. and you mentioned the goal yeah. ratio? It, it just transformed uh, transformed overnight. There was a one game against Spurs, wasn't there? Early in the um, mm -hmm. turn of the year, they won four one. Um, I mentioned it. Uh, there's another game we'll talk about a little bit later, but one that I want to mention is the Spurs one because United have just sort of got to the top of the table over the new year. They beat Coventry um, five nil. Cantona again great in that game, but against Spurs. 
he scores this goal and everyone remembers it for the assist to Dennis Irwin but he scores this goal in the first half where he he leaps <laughs> to mention the, the fishy metaphors again he leaps like a like salmon like a salmon but yeah. he, his back is so straight and I remember Paul Parker telling me um, that he never saw him bend over and he, mm. he wondered how he could keep his posture so straight and uh, that was one element of that if you watch if you watch that back that game back and it's mm. Cantonal's first goal in that game he heads it across goal but he leaps so straight he's about seven foot off the ground um, mm. when when he does that and that's I think it was more to do with the confidence the, the you know the, the way that he just strolled into Old Trafford I know Ferguson said it before but he just went there as if like this is my stage I'm going to perform he obviously had a love for the um, the British stadiums as well he, he loved Ivory Cantonal he'd played there as a youth player yes um, you're, you're quite right. He, he did love the stadiums. He, he was in in an interview that I did with him that you mentioned in the previous episode. Mm. Um, it was uh, he, he said, you know, I, I said, did you never fancy going to Italy? He said, in Italy, the the you know the pageant uh, is you know the, there's not the same pageant. <laughs> mm. You know, you don't have this this. Uh, in uh, intimate relationship with yeah. the crowd, yeah, yeah. Um, so United were playing well; they played really well in that Spurs game. Canton are at the the centre of it all. Um, we have obviously gone on record to sort of extol the virtues of Canton before, and and the other players really. Mm. The United's form had upturned. It could still be argued, though, even with all this in in play, they still needed the element of look what Leeds had in the the previous season which was early elimination in the cups just as Leeds yes. so now they had nothing Sheffield to, United yeah, yeah, United, Cup, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there was nothing to distract them no huge injury worries aside from Dublin um, but you look at the, um, the the number of starts and the number of appearances from the core of that team Paddy and it's extraordinary mm. like 42 league games from Schmeichel so he played every single one McClare played every single one he started 41 of them Bruce and Pallister 42 so you mentioned the Aberdeen um, yes. connection that axis of the the middle three and the defence has stuck mm. together Irwin played 40 Giggs played 41 so you've always got that balance on the left even though mm-hmm. Giggs I know he moved to the right hand side sometimes Paul Lins through the middle Always 41, 41 mm-hmm. games, he was only missing one. McClare, like I said, played 41. But when Cantona arrived, he moved from striker to midfield mm-hmm. um, because Robson was out injured. injured. So right. into McClare playing together. So you had this strong spine all the way through the team. And Mark Hughes yeah. played 41 as well. Incredible number of games, that isn't it? Yeah, how many? Just speaking of McLare, how many how many strikers could you just could just slot in in midfield like that? And what's more, some of the time he played wide midfield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you need to be a very intelligent footballer to 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 know that much about the game. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned that. It, it, yes, it it it, it was. Uh, there were there were there were tweaks made possible, I think, by the the quality of the player that that now. You, you know, you, the, you, the, there wasn't really obvious an obvious weakness in the team now. Yeah. Uh, although they still had, you said, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if you were wholly convinced by Aston Villa, but they were the league leaders really up to the last month of the game, or at least yeah. joint uh, front runners with United. Ron Atkinson's Aston Villa. Yeah. Uh, so that was an interesting. An interest, you know, uh, would uh, would the pre- would the man that Ferguson replaced beat him to the title? Um, but anyway, this the the crucial, as you said, the, the, they didn't have um, distractions yeah. uh, after having a terribly congested program in the run into the the previous season where Leeds um, got to the post first. Uh, United had got to six matches uh, to go with 31 days. Now, that was luxury compared with the previous year. Um, And that was the background against which Sheffield Wednesday came to Old Trafford on the 10th of April for a really memorable match and one that... uh, Shall we dwell on it a little? We can. And let me just set the build-up for that. The week before that, so five days before the Wednesday game, United have played at Norwich... Um, and uh, great performances, as I recall, by Giggs and Cantona. 
and Kanchelskis, this was the game where that sort of potential was unlocked, really, because um, you had Cantona. Maybe it was also due to Norwich's high line, and 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 you know because of the fact that it was a good Norwich side in Norwich's own history, but in mm-hmm. in, in terms of um, where it was in the British standard at the time, um, yes, again they were good, but it wasn't a great Norwich. It wasn't a great team. I'm I'm, I'm kind of saying, but they were in the top four. They were challenging, mm-hmm. and they were naive <laughs> defensively. And United ripped them apart in the first 21 minutes, scoring three goals. All all of those goals from Giggs, Kanchelskis, and Cantona. So mm-hmm. it had this. Um, it was like an awakening moment for United. Yeah. What suggested that we have got the confidence to go to our our biggest rivals such as they were at the time and and destroy Mm. them so they had a little bit of confidence going into this game against Sheffield Wednesday but then Mm. obviously this game drags on a little bit and um, it it was a real test of character wasn't it United listen there was still a sense around Old Trafford oh this could go wrong Yeah. yeah and I bet even Ferguson you know after getting so close the year before and losing out even Ferguson didn't know, couldn't be sure that uh, they were going to keep that edge over over Villa. And sure enough, Sheffield, who should come to Old Trafford but another decent side with a lot of good players, including, I suppose, Hurst would have been playing. Uh, I know that Chris Waddle was, um, but uh, for because he was involved in the first goal um, he, it, it, 65 minutes I think it was goalless and Old Trafford was definitely nervous there's no doubt about that and it became even more nervous when Waddle drifted into the penalty area and uh, drew a foul from Paul, Paul Ince very impetuous tackle mm. silly really and uh, the referee didn't give it because he'd already gone off injured. His name was Michael Peck. And uh, his uh, one of the linesmen, as assistant referees were called in those days, John Hilditch was now in charge. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, 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 you think, oh, no, please don't give this inexperienced guy a penalty decision. But it was the easiest decision in the world. Definite foul. Uh, and who should put the goal away from the penalty spot but a United fan? Uh, John Sheridan, the the guy who'd scored the winning goal against United yeah. uh, in the League Cup, it was he who put the penalty away. Wednesday in front, you know, what do you do? What do you do? Uh, but there was one good thing. There was one good thing because Hilditch, because when he was like running the line before Peck got the the referee got injured, Hilditch was very conscious of Ferguson's of Fergie time because Ferguson would be barking in his ear you know hey hey hey, hey that's the, 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 he's the, the, holding up play you know the, he's he's faking injury you know put yeah. on two minutes for that you know well of course the referee uh, it was the referee's decision but of course by the time we get to the end of the game Hilditch is the referee so he's played a mind game without knowing it Ferguson and um Anyway, uh, you mentioned Brian Robson, who'd been uh, injured most of the season. Luckily, he was on the bench. Paul, he put him on instead of Paul Parker. Yeah. And United just bombarded Sheffield Wednesday. There were five minutes of normal time to go, and Ferguson was hoping that his barking at Hilditch had done its trick and that there would be another five minutes, maybe, um, afterwards. Um, and then with five minutes of, of regulation time to go, Steve Bruce got his head to a corner and, and it's the equaliser. Well, there's pandemonium at Old Trafford, but United need a win. You know, they really need to win to, to maintain their advantage over Villa. So uh, the excitement of, of this of this game, that because there, there was nobody in the ground that didn't know the importance of it. Nobody, nobody of United who didn't know the importance of it. Yeah, there's six games left in you know after we well five games left after five left after yeah. playing Sheffield Wednesday. But it's definitely whenever you look back at it, and certainly this was the way that it felt at the time. This was the moment. It, it's, mm. it's strange how football does that to you. It, it, mm. it manipulates the mind. It plays mm. this different trick on you that you are in the moment. This is the thing, and it's. Um, 
somewhat reminiscent um, I'd say reminiscent for younger fans who might remember Federico Makeda scoring um, mm. against Aston Villa against Villa yeah, yeah, yeah. funnily enough um, but mm. it's not the actual winner for the title but it is the winner in in terms of uh, because as, as I'm sure you'll agree with me, Paddy, that it's not just the sort of mathematics of sport; it's the momentum um, and the psychological it advantage. It is, a psych- and you talk about the psychology because six minutes into stoppage time, Ferguson later calculated. <laughs> he watched the game again, and he calculated there should have been twelve minutes. But anyway, there were six minutes into stoppage time. Mr. Hilditch, substitute referee. Had uh, we were already six minutes. I think they played seven and a half in the end. But six minutes into stoppage time, Bruce again heads past uh, Chris Woods, and Old Trafford was pandemonium. I mean, Ferguson ran to the day. You know, you you say no, it wasn't the end of the season. There was still five minutes, five games to go. Yes, it was. It was. It felt like it. Yeah. Uh, Brian Kidd, who was still his assistant at that time sank to his knees, you know, looking up at the heavens. You know, it, almost, it was almost like the moment at, at Wembley in 1968 when United, <laughs> when the quest to win the European Cup had proved successful. It was, it was that sort of scene. It was, um, it, it, was, it was the heaven, it was looking to the heavens, really, mm. and feeling that destiny um, was about to be benign. And... Uh, Ferguson composed himself after the final whistle had eventually gone and, and just, he was asked by the BBC in those days, he was still speaking to the BBC, he said well, he said, we're a point clear because they, they'd said, oh that's it that's it, but he, he kept obviously he too far too experienced to, uh, to, 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 get, to to betray his excitement yeah the sh- but uh, that was it, that was the beginning of Fergie time uh, a phrase that that probably, I did, for all I know, it might even be in the uh, Oxford uh, English Dictionary. <laughs> but it's certainly in football's uh, dic- uh, lexicon now. Yeah. Um, it was a shot in the arm for United, um, but also it had the sort of opposite effect on Aston Villa, who were demoralised by seeing the way that United had come back to win that and mm-hmm. thinking it's another game, another game, another game. And eventually it's decided, after, after 26 years, after... Mm. Wilf McGuinness, Busby, Busby's return, Frank O'Farrell, Tommy Doherty, mm. Dave Sexton, Ron Atkinson, all these managers have tried and failed. Mm. Um, they've come close in varying degrees, um, never close to a proper title challenge, but still there or thereabouts in, in the race, in the record. Do you, know where, do you know where Ferguson was when he won the league? Golf course. He was at Mot- Mottram yeah. Hall, not far from his home in, in Wil- Wilmslow, was it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and um, United still had a game in hand on the Sunday afternoon when Villa were playing. Um, and a stranger, I don't know, who, I have no idea who it was. He uh, was playing with one of his sons, Mark, uh, at Mottram Hall. And a stranger ran up with the good news and and uh, it, it may have been the only time that, that Ferguson um, uh, never played the final hole of a round <laughs> they had one hole to go and Mark and um, his dad walked off and rang Kathy um, Mark's mom, and uh, went home and Ferguson was so happy <laughs> that he didn't even mind photographers being in the garden <laughs> because, of, because they were there because United had won the league. So uh, it, it was, uh, it was you know, you, you, you probably remember the celebrations better than me and uh, there was still the game to go, the game United had in hand. It was Blackburn at Old Trafford. Uh, no, no, there was still two games. Still two go. games left, yeah. Blackburn at Old Trafford and Wimbledon, not at Plough Lane. They were now sharing Selhurst Park with Crystal Palace. Yeah. Um, but United won them both, I think, and uh, were uh, champions by six points. So that was professional, wasn't it? By ten, in the end. Incredibly, yeah, incredibly by ten points because they won the last seven games and it just sort of yawned up right. that gap, really. Uh, and who had United uh, wanted to knock off their perch? Liverpool. <laughs> and Liverpool came in in uh, sixth place 
I think, uh, well, I, I've got my points total wrong about the margin of victory, but I'm, uh, I think they were 25 points behind United. So they're a long, long way off the perch. And uh, by the time they were to, in fact, even Ferguson had, uh, had, had gone by the time Liverpool got back on the, the perch they now occupy. Yeah, um, the last game played at Wimbledon, I think in the Premier League podcast that we did, Paddy, we mm. remembered Wimbledon recording the lowest ever Premier League attendance with a, a game against Everton, which was about 3,000. Mm. There's about 10 times that amount, 30,000, a good healthy crowd at Sellers Park, probably mm. more than half of them Reds. Um, mm. But the celebration, the, the big game was against Blackburn, where United won 3-1, um, contrived in the last minute to give Gary Pallister a free kick. Gary Pallister centre off, not renowned for 20-odd shots, but scores a free kick because he was the only outfield player not to score that season um, oh. but most importantly um, that game was played in front of Sir Matt Busby who was often at Old Trafford anyway um, and this is obviously we've talked about Busby before you've written your seminal um, book on him um, he was mm. accused of interfering in the earlier uh, with the earlier successors and with good reason as well because he often mm-hmm. did you know he often sort of said Bobby Charlton should be playing or something like that or yes, you know yes. you should sign such and such or, yes. or, or you shouldn't sign such and such um, but he was oh, yeah. I mean as though he was put although he was putting his sort of fingers in the pie a little bit to sort of interfere well, it was with good reason he wanted United to come good again it wasn't like yeah. He, and he still yeah. felt, you know, that he was such a good judge of a player. That he, I mean, he made he made most of those signings, you know. Yeah. Still, Matt did, um, and and in a way, it wasn't there wasn't too much hiding it because mm. he was general manager, wasn't he? Mm. Um, but yes, yeah. Sorry, I, I was just just interrupting there, but uh, yeah, Matt Matt was there to see it, and 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 thank God um, because he had only months to live. But thank God he lived to see that. Yeah, and then a nice fitting tribute to Jimmy Murphy who passed away in November 1989 that the three homegrown players who won medals were Ryan Giggs, Mark Hughes and Clayton Blackmore, all Welshmen. So he would have been mm. um, certainly proud of that. Um, oh, he would, yes. The um, homegrown quota would obviously raise significantly over the years, but um, there was now that solid foundation of a great team to, to build upon. Um, just a remark on mm. that team. Um, mm-hmm. As we've talked about the, the sort of construction of them, mm. Tommy Doherty came close with a, a team. And I've often talked about how the 1977 side mm. uh, was a similar age to the fledgling side in '96. You know, it had mm-hmm. the similar average age um, and beat Liverpool in the final. So th- there was a lot of similarities there. Uh, Big Ron obviously came close, the, the 10-game run at the start of 1985, but probably 1984 when they played Barcelona and they beat Arsenal in one week. That was as close as... Atkinson never came. Um, United had got over the line significantly this time. There was no sort of only just. They were conclusive mm-hmm. champions. Do you think it's fair to say, it might seem like a, a dead-end argument, but it's just there for the sort of validation and rubber stamp, really. Could, mm-hmm. we, could it be conclusively be argued that this was the best team that United had, had since winning the European Cup? Oh, yes. Without, without any... Any doubt, I would say, yes. Um, and that's with due respect to the to the Doherty team, which, which, which was a real team, uh, had a real philosophy. Um, uh, but this was, this was something different. I mean, who knows that if Doherty had been allowed to complete his work, where it would have gone? We, we can't know that. But no, the, this, this team, uh, which was to be... To become known as the '94 team, so yeah. we, I, I sense they may still have something in them, but uh, that will be for another time. The the one thing I would like to say about you know you talk about management, Ferguson's management was definitely evolving, um, and and I think this was this was not only you know this was this was the culmination of his work um, so far, um, and and it had come about from a. Um, a less hands-on and more detached, more psychological um, approach. Mm. Uh, I think he was definitely developing along with the team, even though he had a, 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 an enormous amount of achievement. And, and what, what would just one brief note, um, now that it's clear that Ferguson 
you know, free, clear from our uh, uh, chronology that Ferguson is is a top manager now. Um, uh, then he's won a title. It's it's fair to people often say was he the greatest and so on. He'd taken a long time. I think the the club as a whole deserves uh, almost as much credit as Ferguson himself for for ending the historical drought uh, of titles because they gave Ferguson time. If you look at Brian Clough, I mean, what his Clough and Taylor's achievements in terms of titles were much more dramatic than Ferguson's. Mm. Dramatic. Uh, And and much quicker. And much less reliant on money. Um, Ferguson had taken six and a half years and spent 20 million net. Um, Clough uh, took Derby... Uh, to the title much quicker out of the second division and to the title much much quicker he did even better at Nottingham Forest he won the the Champions League for a a net cost of a couple of million Mm. uh, with a second division club you know so those were extraordinarily dramatic achievements but of course if you if you look at the um, the overall achievements of, of Ferguson and Clough, you, 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 you have a very different argument. But I'm just saying that, that you know, it's almost the, um, the, the story of the tortoise and the hare, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, yes, Ferguson now knows that any lingering doubts he may have had, that he was a top, 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 top manager and a purportive successor to the great Mark Busby. Even his own little lingering doubts at the back of his mind were now gone. Yeah, seven, six and a half years to win that title. But all areas of that team are drenched in the virtue of patience. The entire back four were signed over different seasons. So it tells you everything you need to know about mm. sort of staggering mm. and, and, and sort of giving patience to different areas and different sort of phases of that transition as well. Um, United now had, maybe it wasn't the best defence in the country. Arsenal could say that they had that, um, but they had a, a defence that was fit for their purpose. Um, they had an attack that was fit for their purpose. They had the, the most dynamic wing partnership in in the league um perhaps the only area you could want an improvement was in midfield yep. with the um with the retirement of Brian Robson edging ever closer so if only mm. Ferguson could acquire a player to improve that midfield it would enable us to provide a fitting complete chapter to this series away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.